0: Equipment—it it needs to be turned on. <laughs> so, you'll have to pardon me. It's been a, a very full, uh, glorious week in many regards. But yesterday, I was in Mount Pleasant, officiating at a memorial service for one of the founding members of um, the church that I served there for 12 years. And so, a lot of memories, a lot of good news to see how God was at work and how we press forward. So. Um, if it's Sunday, I must be in Holland. The message is the same: Jesus is Lord, and that matters. Our call to worship this morning—I've set responsively. It's Psalm 148. Um, uh, respond as I read. We'll begin this way: Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord from the heavens! Praise Him in the heights above! Praise Him, all His angels! Praise Him, all His heavenly hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest heavens, and you, waters above the sky. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for at His command they were created. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us join with that expression of praise. Stand as you're able, hymn number 590. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing his great praise. Amen and amen. Well, it was a joy to welcome each of you to worship here. We've gathered together in one place at this one time to be a, a small portion of the expression of God's marvelous, worldwide, transhistorical work. We're a part of a big thing that God is doing rather than trying to make ourselves big in what we're doing. God has called us, so I welcome you on site, as well as those online as we're able to live stream or record, we're glad that people can be a part of what's happening here. Thankful for it. For today, kind of typical routine, coffee and munchies after the service, take time, get to know someone, say hello, learn a, another name and face. And then at about 10.30, I'll be in classroom number one downstairs um, for a and A, kind of an open time to interact, feel free to ask questions. Uh, we continue moving forward. I'm waving to Justin. You will see Justin leaving because today one of the things we've asked him to do is to go and present to each of our other worshiping communities. Um, he will be working with me and I work with Celebration, but all of us at Heart Awake, regardless of our focused responsibilities, are part of a larger community. So when he ducks out, it ain't my preaching. He wants to build those relationships and connections all the way across the congregation. I'm thankful for that. Um, Tuesday of this week, Mary Lynn and I are headed out of town. I told folks I'm often a little conflicted. Should I say I'm going to see my mother or should I say we're going to the beach? I'm going to do both. Go see my mom who lives at the beach. Next week, a friend of mine, Pastor Mark, Will be bringing the Scripture and and preaching. Pastor Mark is an EPC pastor like I am. He served our church in Ann Arbor for a number of years, and now works with EPC World Outreach, the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, which I'm affiliated with. He will continue to do the Q&A next week, and that'll be a time for you to ask him specifically about his mission work and the things that he's doing Very, very interesting. Many of the stories that I often share internationally come from friends that Mark has. Couple of slides, a school is working its way up and we're praying for our schools. We're with uh, Movement West Michigan and uh, Corey Pluckmire, kind of gathering people from all around Ottawa County, staking out an hour praying. Our goal is 24 seven. Uh, their goal. And actually, we work with them to be praying for them. I got on and took an hour myself. I'm learning uh, about joining in with this group. I encourage you to do the same. You see the link up there. You can find it easily on the Thursday night email or or on our website. The other thing to be aware of, two Sundays from now, we will all three congregations of of Hardwick meet together for an outdoor service we do this from time to time uh, meet together worship together and so for the labor day weekend we'll be doing that i believe that's about 10 a.m yeah so that's good friends i'll remind you because i'm always reminded by it at heart we believe that jesus has spoken and called us to invite everyone to join the journey of being found in formed by That'll be key to what I say today, in following Jesus Christ. That's our goal. That's what we aim for. May God equip and guide us in that. We're coming to the end of the Lord's Prayer. And so this last question, answer of the Heidelberg Catechism focused on the last word that the church teaches us in praying the Lord's Prayer. I'll begin with this question. What does this little word, amen, express? amen means it is even more sure that god listens to my prayer than that i really desire what i pray for i encourage you ponder that god's hearing is more sure than my own ability to know my desires whoa ponder that and ponder that as we sing 10,000 reasons to love the Lord God and to serve him. (laughs) Let's stand and sing, it's hymn number 559. A seat. Thank you. It's almost that time again. At least the exhibition games have started. If you were to come to me and say, you know, my son wants to play football, will you teach him how to throw a football? My answer to you very quickly would be no, because I'm not good at throwing a football. Find somebody who is and learn from them. Maybe you could get Kirk Cousins. There's a guy who knows how to throw the football. Learn from people who are good at what they do. I put two blogs up on the Thursday email that went out because I had an experience this week. I saw the memorial service for Tim Keller. He passed away several years ago, oh, several months ago and had his memorial service. And I want to highly encourage you to go to those blog posts. They're in the Thursday evening uh, email that I send out and and kind of dig through that. If you just jumped on there and watched this service, you would say, oh, that was a moving memorial uh, in a very kind of formal sense. It was that, but it was so much more. There was so much gospel happening in that service. Let me give you just one example. It was held at St. Patrick's Cathedral. When a conservative Presbyterian is memorialized in the seat, the cathedral, of one of the men who will help choose the next pope, I want to tell you the gospel is at work. You can find a link there and hear what Cardinal uh, Timothy Dolan said about his friend, Tim Keller. It's worth learning and seeing about that. The preacher, Sam Alberry preached a powerful sermon. Worth hearing, but it's also worth knowing his background. And you can find that on there. Um, Again and again, his wife, Kathy, speaks to why he chose what he did. You can read his comment on every hymn used in that service. It's powerful. I didn't discover until Saturday, and I've put the link in there, that Tim and Kathy Keller's last time to worship publicly together with other believers was at the National Institute of Health Hospital where the director played piano as they sang hymns those are the hymns used in his service friends don't let people who don't embody the gospel fill you with cynicism look at those who are doing better than average at living out the gospel and learn from them don't let me teach your kids how to throw a football they'll hurt their shoulder The documentaries are out there, I've seen them. You could name the names, Carl Lentz, Hillsongs, Bill Gothard, Paula White. There's whole industries making money out of making sure we see people who do poorly. Don't miss the chance to see the gospel lived out in a much better than average way. Dig into that, not just the service, but why he chose all that he did. And then ponder that. Be shaped by people who are good at it. And so as we pray, be shaped by the prayer that Jesus taught us. More than just projecting my wishes, learn how to let the teaching of Jesus shape our hearts and minds. That's our goal. I'm not perfect, but that's been my shot at prayer. Let's go to the Lord and pray. Father, thank you that we enter into your presence, not because of what we've learned or done or deserve, but because Jesus went to the cross for each one of us. And he opened up the doorways that by way of adoption by your grace, we might call you Abba Father. And so Father, teach us, guide us as we engage you in prayer as we ask and as your answer would shape us. Teach us to bear fruit in your grace. Father, I pray for Heart Awake Ministries. Thank you for what you are doing in this collection of people, how you're teaching us day by day how to repent, how to bear fruit, how to reach out, how to listen and learn be with us. I pray particularly that you would be with our council as they meet Monday night. May your grace move in them as they seek to hear your voice and to uh, lead this diversity of ministries. We pray for uh, Pastor Corey, Corey Pluckmeyer, who runs, um, is the executive director for West uh, Movement West Michigan. As he's preaching today in Watershed, be with Pastor Aaron as he gets some time away. Anoint our friend Corey. We pray for Fusion just across the hall and Pastor JB and for Pastor Florencio and Miss that will meet right here in just a few hours. Extend your gospel, the good news of a saving God, through people who clearly need a Savior. Use us to your glory. Father, you've called us to be a part of this gathering celebration. I pray that you would continue to move and draw people to yourself. I pray that you would move and bind us together as your people, learning how to uh, pray for one another, how to know each other's names and share life, knowing how to uh, encourage one another. Thank you that you hear our prayers. I want to simply do this in this moment, give a a period of silence for you to live to the Lord the burdens or the joys, the hopes or the fears, whatever it may be, just speak to the Lord God in the silent sanctuary of your heart to pray in this moment. Father, your scripture teaches us to pray for those in authority over us, and so we pray for the council as they meet, but we pray too in a systematic way. This way for the state of Michigan and those in positions to lead and to serve. We pray by name for Governor Gretchen Whitmer, for Attorney General Dana Nessel, Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson, also our representatives from here, Nancy DeBoer and Bradley Slay, for State Senator Roger Victory. For each and for every one of them, Father, we pray that their hearts would be like a river in your hand is the metaphor that the book of Proverbs uses, that you would guide them to establish justice and peace in the land, the rule of law, freedom of opportunity, good guidance. Thank you that your grace is bigger, so we trust you. We pray too for Heart of missionaries, Jeff and Becky, who are now in the United States, but serve believers in closed access fields. Father, thank you for the amazing work you're doing all across the world right now. Sometimes it's very easy for me to feel overwhelmed here in the States with things. But we see you at work with your every tribe and tongue vision. Help us to be a part of that. Father, I pray, too, that you would guide us and instruct us in prayer, that each day we might engage you in new ways and that you would continually shape our lives step by step. We ask that even as we pray together, one heart, one voice, uh, the prayer that Jesus taught us, our, our model, our outline, the framework by which we pray each day. So we pray together with one voice saying, Our Father who art in heaven, Well, this will be the final celebration sermon uh, in our Lord's Prayer series. Next week, as I mentioned, my friend Pastor Mark will be here, an EPC minister, now missionary. And so this is kind of the swan song, and it's appropriate that we focus on one word, amen. You know, I was telling Mary Lynn this morning. I'm going to be here in Holland in a CRC church preaching about amen. You understand that there's a part of me that would love to preach this sermon back at Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. Amen? Amen. 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 (laughs) That one word. And remember, too, that both last week and this week, in a sense, are the church, the people of God across centuries. And indeed, remember, when did the, the church, the gathered people of grace begin it was not at acts it was abraham and his family when god intervened with a calling of grace to gather people now it took a whole new big way with pentecost i get that but for centuries we've been teaching ourselves our children our neighbors how to pray and so we take the text of the bible which we've seen in Matthew and Luke. But there's also been this statement from the church as we pray the Lord's Prayer. Namely, every time you pray, doxology. Pray, thy kingdom come. But those are the words of Jesus. But thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. That's, in a sense, the church teaching us how to pray. This word too, amen. Now, because this isn't in the text of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew and Luke, I went to the Heidelberg Catechism. Anyone remember that? And you need to know that every statement in the Heidelberg Catechism that's an answer has a footnote that goes to the scripture. So I'll be reading this morning and expositing the scriptural footnotes to the term, amen. That's where this comes from. That's why I chose these texts. So, if you would, uh, let's stand together out of reverence for the Word of God, and I will read from Isaiah, 2 Corinthians, and 2 Timothy. Hear the Word of God. The Lord says this, Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox, and dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy— on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. Oh, that's a promise. Now let's hear Paul in Second Corinthians. But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no, this or that. For instead, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who is preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so, through him, the amen is spoken by us. Do you hear the promise yes and the amen us? Spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. And finally, 2 Timothy 2. Here's a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. If we are faithless, ah, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. That call to be in Christ and reside with him. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, have a seat if you would, and we'll pray. Father, thank you for the marvelous way you have been at work among the people of planet Earth, sowing seeds of your promises as far back as Abraham, sowing seeds through the promises that you give us through the prophet Isaiah so that they might be established and yes in Christ, and then we affirm with our amen, our response of faith to your promise of grace. Thank you that these words have been recorded and faithfully transmitted now across centuries, so that we can open them and translate and read and ponder and pray, and that you have made a promise that you will give us the Spirit who will lead us into all truth, I pray that I might be an instrument in the hand of a gracious, loving God, making Jesus more clear and compelling each day. Thank you for this time. Guard your people from my confusion and brokenness. Fill us instead with your hope, we pray in the marvelous and mighty name of Jesus and all of God's people sit together, amen amen. Friends, there's a particular sort of flow or direction that shapes prayer in the Bible, and you would have heard it in mine. For 20 centuries and more, the people of God have affirmed and practiced this kind of flow. It's crucial to, to praying the Lord's Prayer if we're going to pray it as a model rather than a mantra. You know, as I've said, each petition in the Lord's Prayer is kind of a heading outline, outline point, and then we fill it in day by day. And the way you fill it in is by recognizing that God has made promises— <clears throat> and that we say amen you want to be grounded as you pray in the promises of god let me read you some favorites of mine philippians 1 6 being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion unto the day of jesus christ philippians 1 6 what jesus began he's gonna finish that's good news for bill How about Romans 8.1? I've often said this would be tattooed across the inside of my skull if they waste money on an autopsy looking for a brain. They will find this, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I make mistakes, I'll be convicted of my brokenness and sin, but because I am in Christ by His grace, there is no condemnation. I roll over and go to sleep. And seek God in the morning no condemnation here's a great promise remember what I told you is this is Jesus speaking a servant is not greater than his master if they persecuted me they will persecute you also Eh. God makes promises and we ought to be aware that if we're gonna be faithful to Jesus wherever he put us that there will be resistance Now, how many of the promises of God do you know? How many of them do you understand in their context? How many of you committed to memory? This is the vocabulary of prayer. In a word, do those promises shape you as a person? Do you feel the pressure of the world? Or do you find the freedom of living no longer in condemnation? Well, amen speaks to us of two important things. First, that God has made promises, and they are true. They are yes in Christ. I'm banking on it. How about you? Second thing, amen, reminds us, I seek to surrender control of my life and to be shaped by, to be motivated, to be energized by the promises of God. Not simply to pick and choose the promises I like or that find affirmation in the world, but the promises that God has made. The word amen is actually a very remarkable word. If you'll dig into it, you'll see fascinating things there for us. Let me read to you, and I put this in the sermon outline uh, so that you can have this. This was part of my study this week. The word amen is a most remarkable word. It was translated directly from the Hebrew into the Greek of the New Testament. So Hebrew... Greek, and then into Latin, and now into English, and many other world languages. It is practically a universal word. It has become called the best-known word in human speech. Interesting. The word is directly related, in fact, almost identical to the Hebrew word. That's where it started, for believe, or faithful, amen, believe, faithful. Thus, it came to mean surely or truly an expression of absolute trust and confidence. This word, amen, is used 101 times in the Gospels alone, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Most often, it's used in the mouth of Jesus. And here are some examples. Matthew 5:18, the Sermon on the Mount. For I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Truly I say to you, Amen. Here's the truth, says Jesus. John 6:47. Very truly, Amen, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. John 8 34. Jesus replied, Very truly, Amen. I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to that sin. Jesus uses the word as he begins to teach. It's to awaken in us the sense that his words are truth and powerful. We tend to use it at the end of our prayer to say, That's true. I lift this to you, Lord. Amen as a word is about truth and that's what we need to realize in a deep way last week i used an imaginary illustration a mental picture about truth and i want to reiterate that again remember i put you in the driver's seat of a ferrari going west on ottawa beach road and i was in my little honda on 160th headed south and boom i hit you wood tv overhead with their drone saw it all But the point of that illustration, I want to bring this back to you and pick up again, is that you driving and me driving and even the drone observing, each only had part of what happened. See, with those roofs on the cars, the drone can't pick up any expression or any idea of what I was doing or focused on. Each of these three sources only has a part Of the truth None of us has the whole truth And so as I instructed And pointed out last week Anybody who says my truth Is getting ready To give you a partial truth And you need to beware See it's just the nature Of humanity Together in that illustration Three sources sources Would give you a better sense Of what went on So these different sources with their partial truth, if we work together, get a better sense of things. But if we simply try to have our portion determined as the only truth, we end up more confused. Okay, interesting lecture in epistemology, Bill, but this is not a philosophy class. Let me give you a concrete example of why this desperately matters in our time. At this stage of my life, I have been to a lot of religious meetings. Religious meetings in the local setting, in the regional setting, like a classis or a presbytery, national setting, like our General Assembly. I've not been to the CRC uh, General Synod, but I've come out of some of those meetings of the church and Christians gathered, and on occasion there's been lots of conflict and confusion, and I would come out of those meetings and say, what was going on why the fighting and the big why the, the what is going on and one day I realized no wonder they're confused there's people in there and they're talking about two or three or sometimes four different people some of them at war with each other but they all have the same name You don't know who they're talking about because they're all using the same name but referring to different people. Of course you'd be confused when they say Jesus, but what they meant was social justice warrior Jesus. You know, the one who loudly stands up for the poor, trained in critical theory and liberation theology. Then there's also status quo Jesus. Oh, we've always done it this way. We go to these schools and read these books. I like this music. Don't change. How about, can't we all just get along, Jesus? Be nice and don't fight. Avoid hard conversations and disagreements at any cost. Don't don't draw boundaries. No. Can't we all just get along? There can also be self-righteous Jesus. Struggled with that one. But you see, what we have under the name Jesus is several partial glimpses, and we need to ask ourselves, are we pursuing truth, or are we simply trying to push forward our own limited experience of truth? Once you realize that's part of the question, humility can only follow, friends. Truth or just my limited experience of that truth? Do I think truth is just limited to my internal state, limited to what I think or feel? Or can it be external, connected to a reality that's outside of me and not under my control? I'm sorry, I forwarded ahead too much. Internal or external? See, I would have an internal experience of what happened in that car wreck, but I wouldn't have the whole truth. I would need perspective, friends. when we pray amen at the Lord's, at the end of the lord 's prayer, we are saying, we want to pray god 's truth, and how do we come to know that? We need to realize that god 's truth stands on its own, it is its own strength and power that The true thing about truth is that it exists, and it's more than just my experience of it. It's bigger and independent. It's more than just my internal state, and if I limit truth to that, I'm going to be confused. No, amen. I'm praying and pursuing a bigger truth than just me because here's the good news, and this, in a sense, is what gets us out of trouble. Jesus said in John 14, I myself am the way the truth and the life. I myself. You see, I have a particular perspective on Jesus and when I gather with others who have an experience with Jesus, together we can begin to see something greater. I love the the good news in the scripture that the spirit will lead us into all truth, that what we have in the Bible is where the Spirit will meet us to introduce us to more of Jesus. Here's how we stated in the Westminster Confession, my own Presbyterian document. The Holy Spirit speaking in the Bible is the supreme judge of all religious controversies. Oh, I thought it was the people who had the most votes. Sometimes it's not. How do you hear the Spirit speaking in the words of the Bible? Well, you've got to pray. You're going to make some mistakes, and so you'll need to repent. But that's part of what God wants to teach us. He'll guide you through and out of your own confusion. I can promise you that because he's done it for me. I'm thankful for the, the guidelines that church history and faith have given me to avoid making some pretty major mistakes. That's helpful. But the real question is this, will I Pursue a truth that's greater than me. And when I say amen, friends, that's the call. God's truth, not mine. Thy kingdom come, not mine. Thy name be hallowed, not mine. So the first thing about this amen is that it is true dat. Yeah, that's truth, and I'm going with that. The second thing is that it speaks of our posture It's a count me in. That's God's truth, and I want to be shaped by it. See, that's the next thing with amen. It's how will we respond? What will we do with regard to it? Two general options about how to respond. The first is to identify the truth, and then, boom, just do it. Just do what's expected of you. But I want to tell you, there's a breakdown when we have the truth and think it's about performing. Because when you're motivated to perform, you only do that for some sort of reward or benefit. I'll be good, but only because I want to avoid getting in trouble. Haven't we all been through that as parents, as kids? Oh, oh, okay. I'll perform so that I receive. Paul points out the underlying problem with this approach to truth about God you see it's about wages if we think truth is ours to be performed there's a problem Romans 4 4 points out that the one who works as wages are not credited as a gift but as an obligation for the one who works all you're entitled to is wages there's a second approach to the truth as by God's grace we identify it we can be formed by that truth. See, here's a truth from the scripture. My motives and abilities are broken and shortfall. I need a savior, I can't do it myself. You see, when we are formed by the truth, the opportunity there is to be formed by it and then to live it out for God's glory and for the benefit of others. See, that's the power of grace. That there's an external reality that works on me and through me to the glory of God. However, it goes on in the very next verse in Romans, however, to the one who does not work but trusts God, the God who justifies the ungodly, that God, their faith is credited as righteousness. So when we encounter truth, are we called to perform it and earn a wage? Or in, when we see the truth, and that truth is about a God who justifies the ungodly, do we trust that? Do we rest in God and His promise and what He has done? For you see, friends, the wages of sin... When you work for it, that's death. It doesn't work. But the gift of God, ah, that is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. says there is truth. It's external to us. It's not mine to manipulate. I may only have it in part, but it's there and I'm pursuing more. Amen. And it says as well that I'm going to let that truth shape me rather than me shape that truth let me close with a story about a young italian man his name is giovanni i've been working on that italian pronunciation giovanni the italian born 1181 his father was a rich man a wealthy silk merchant which was a big thing at that time he was indulged by his parents that's what the rich would do He lived the high-spirited life typical of a wealthy young man, good school, fast car, different time. But clearly, he was handsome, witty, gallant, and delighted in fine clothes. He spent money lavishly because it was his dad's anyhow. Giovanni would go on a minor military adventure as a young man eventually captured and imprisoned for a while, later released he would have this mystical vision of, of Jesus and a new charge, a new direction for his life. He wasn't sure what to make of it, but Jesus would speak to him and say, go and repair my church, which as you can see is falling into ruins. Well, he took this to mean that the ruined church in which he was presently praying was the one to repair. So he sold some cloth from his father's store oops, to assist the priest in repair to the church building. The priest, knowing the kind of man Giovanni's dad was, said, no, I'm not going to take that money. No, thank you very much. But things went from bad to worse with his father. His dad sought to force giovanni to forgo his inheritance in the midst of the legal proceedings which in that time were done before the local bishop giovanni renounced his father and his father's wealth some accounts i mean you can hardly believe this some accounts report that he stripped himself naked as a token of his renunciation and the bishop covered him with his own cloak oh no imagine imagine Giovanni would go on to embrace poverty as a way to live with simplicity in order to be free to preach the good news of the death and resurrection of Jesus, no strings attached. Over time, others would join Giovanni in the task, begging and preaching. They would preach to people who would listen and according to tradition, to all creation. Giovanni would also come to be known as... St. Francis of Assisi. Now, there's lots of stories and traditions surrounding Francis, believe me. The popular one right now is, like St. Francis said, preach the gospel at all times, and if you must, use words. Now, I want to tell you something. As a historian, two things we know about that statement. One is that there's no record of him ever saying that. It's very popular on the internet. Oh. But number two, what we can substantiate about Giovanni becoming Francis and his life is that he lived completely the opposite. He turned from a life of inherited wealth and embraced poverty as a path to freedom and simplicity and then publicly and unashamedly told everyone and anyone that would listen about Jesus. He was shaped by the Jesus he met. He needed to get some clarification. He would later go on to write that he'd made some mistakes and wish he'd done things a little different. By the end of his life, he was a little closer to the truth than he was at the beginning. But he's, I think, an interesting example of a person who would encounter the truth as best he knew, namely Jesus and then sought to be shaped by that truth. Not perfectly, he's a human. But because the Holy Spirit is at work through the scripture, in his life, through the church, through the gathered people of God, he could be transformed day by day, from glory unto glory, from grace unto grace. Friends, that's the calling. There is truth. And it's more than just my feeling or yours. Amen. There is truth. I may not have it perfectly. I've learned some things across these many decades. The sermon I preached yesterday in Mount Pleasant was a little different than anything I could have ever preached in the 90s. From glory unto glory. And to his work and his truth, I would say... Amen. I'm in. Amen. I'm in. Let's pray. Father, we're amazed that you have loved us, and yet you have, not because of who we are, but because of who you are. And so because of who you are and what you have done, you've given us a marvelous new inheritance to receive and to live. Be with us. Begin to lead us from glory unto glory from partial truth to a little less partial truth to a little more closer almost to the whole truth. We confess to you here in this moment that Jesus is our whole truth and we rest and trust in his goodness. We ask you to fill us with hope. Thank you for the death and resurrection of Jesus that we remember in this moment as we come to the table. Father, thank you that you invite broken people to receive hope, that you aren't simply asking well-behaved people to reap the benefit of their behavior. Be with us, we pray, and fill us with great hope. For We pray in the marvelous name of Jesus and all of God's people said together, amen and amen. As we come to the table of God's grace, I'm going to once again use the words of the Heidelberg Catechism that I hope we can recite together to remind us of exactly what this moment means. Together, the Lord's Supper declares to us that all our sins are completely forgiven through the one sacrifice of Jesus Christ, which he himself accomplished on the cross once for all. It also declares to us that the Holy Spirit grafts us into Christ, who with his true body is now in heaven at the right hand of the Father where he wants us to worship him. We come to this table at his invitation to worship him and to give him the praise due his name. Friends, the scripture records that on the night That Jesus was betrayed he took the bread and when he had given thanks to his father he said this bread is my body which is broken for you take and eat in the same way after supper Jesus took the cup of the passover meal and after he had given thanks He would have said, This cup is now a new covenant made in my blood, not the year by year blood of the lamb sacrificed, but the final, once and for all, blood of the perfect Lamb of God, shed for all God's people. Drink this in remembrance of me, he says. For as often as you take it, you proclaim the Lord's death. That's the transition point the cross. You proclaim his death until he comes again. Friends, I want to extend the invitation of Jesus to the table of Jesus. Uh, This is not the table that Bill set or even the table of of Hardaway Ministries. It's the table of Jesus. And so we come on his terms, not our performance, but his grace. This is not a place for people who've earned a seat at the table to find their way but a place where people who desperately know they need the love of God to come and receive more, day by day, step by step. I've pointed out that it's often been a tradition in the past to fence the table and to hold out people. I understand what they were doing that, and I've had to have conversations with people at that very point. But I realize that we need to have the invitation of Jesus. We come on His terms, and His terms are His grace. If you're resisting His grace, wait and ponder. If you desperately need His grace, move to the head of the line. See, that's the good news, friends. We're here to tell the world that we're here because we haven't earned it. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And so it is, I invite you. After I pray, we'll have people serving on both sides. Make your way down the center aisle. We encourage families, partake together and navigate as that families. If your church membership is in some other church, what I'm gonna ask is, are you pursuing Jesus here today? And welcome you on the invitation of Jesus. We have here, Uh, gluten-free bread if you have a need and will be available if you're unable to come forward. I just catch the attention of the server in the back and we'll bring it to you. There's a place at the table for all that will receive and all that will pursue God on his terms, which is the grace of repentance. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, we thank you for your great love and for your kindness Thank you that you have called us, not because of who we are or what we can do, but because of who you are and what you want to do first to us and then through us. Thank you that you have provided us nourishment along the journey. And having been found in, that you would now form us. Take this, which is very simple, this bread and this cup, and meet us by the promise of your word. Help us to see that though it is just bread and juice, that there is a reality in the spirit more than meets the eye. And here, as you have promised, we meet and receive your encouragement and grace. I pray for those who are mourning that you would refresh their hearts. For those who are rejoicing, I pray that their cup would run over and they'd bring that rejoicing to others. For those with material needs, Father, open up opportunity for them to receive all that they need. For those of us who've been given in abundance, give us a generous heart. Be at work in this moment, Father, we ask and pray in the mighty name of Jesus and all of God's people set together, amen, amen. Now, before you come forward, I'm going to ask those who are distributing, if you'd come, we get people equipped and set. It's not. You're gonna want this one. Yeah. Oh, is there another? You've got that very good. Come as the people of God. Come and receive this day. Yeah, it should be the bread. As folks make their way back to their seat, as we have a moment, let's just rest in the finished work of Jesus and the healing of this moment and pray. Father, we breathe deeply of your grace. and just a few moments, we will head back to a busy and challenging and demanding world. In it, we thank you that the world, though it seems beyond our understanding and control, is not beyond yours. And so we will say, thy kingdom come, and thy will be done, amen. We will say, give us this day our daily bread, amen. By your grace, we will forgive others as you have forgiven us, amen. And with great hope, we will look to you, God our Father, amazed at what the work of Jesus at the cross would do for us and for all people. And with breathless wonder, we will say amen. That's true. And I'm in. Fill us with hope as your people to share hope in this world. Uh, Guide us in all that we do. Thank you that you're binding us together as your people. Better together than apart. We hear that so often in our time. But here, because the Holy Spirit is doing it, is the best chance on the planet for it to really happen. Wow. Be glorified and hear our worship as we pray and, and sing to the glory of Jesus and all of God's people sit together, amen, amen. Our closing hymn is number 251. As you're able, let's stand together. The church is one foundation. the benediction of our God, the blessing that he gave and now has ministered across centuries from the book of Numbers. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.